Hey everybody and welcome to a special episode of iFreaks. We're recording again in New York City and this week on our panel we have James. Hello. Uh, I'm Andrew and we have a special guest today. Uh, Sam, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Sam Guckenheimer. I'm from uh, Visual Studio Team Services. I'm uh, here for the Connect Conference and you know delighted to be with you. Thanks Sam. Sam, will you tell us a little uh, about um, exactly what your role at Microsoft is, the things you work on? Sure. So I uh, have been, uh, well, for the last six years working on our transformation from Agile to DevOps. Uh, And before that, uh, uh, was working on getting us to Agile at both uh, inside and outside. So uh, we are uh, in the... Uh, Visual Studio Cloud Services responsible for both uh, what's now our one engineering system in Microsoft and for the service, the the SaaS uh, uh, Visual Studio Team Services and its on-premise sibling Team Foundation Server. Um, And I've been the, uh, you know, the guy who's looking at at what's not yet on the backlog, the strategy guy, the planner, the product owner, whatever you'd like. Um, And I love it. Today's episode of iFreaks is brought to you by SetApp, the innovative new way to find and use the best apps for your Mac. Finding the right app can be a real chore. Sifting through bad apps, comparing reviews, what a waste of time. SetApp has created an easier solution. From a single folder on your Mac, you gain access to over 60 hand-picked apps for Mac. This growing collection of premium apps is available for a single monthly subscription of just $9.99. No ads, no hidden fees, no worries. Sign up at setapp.com and enjoy a free month trial of the full setup experience. Setapp, now you're all set. Well, great. We, we wanted to talk to you today a little bit about um, mobile DevOps. And, uh, you know, our audience is mostly iOS developers. Uh, they're, they're not DevOps experts. And I think probably a lot of them, um, they may know what DevOps is, but it's, it's, not a real, uh, it's not a real concrete thing for them. So why don't you give us just sort of an overview? What does DevOps mean, especially to a mobile developer? Sure. Well, DevOps is about, is about validated learning. I mean, so I don't know if, if you know uh, Lean Startup and the idea of build, measure, learn. Um, uh, or uh, you know have read about experimentation or what have you, but the you know the basic idea is that you, uh, whenever you build some software, whether you're starting with user stories or requirements or cards or whatever, uh, you discover, at least in our experience, that about a third of the time, what you're doing is actually going to achieve the results you want to achieve is supporting your hypothesis, as we call it. Um, and about a third of the time you get, you know, you, you get results that that are contrary to what you hoped. And about a third of the time it doesn't make any difference. So as a development team, what you want to do is to be able to fail fast on the stuff that's not going in the right direction and double down on the stuff that is making real improvement. Uh, and that that means that you want to be you want to give yourself as many chances to deploy as possible and be able to benefit from feedback as much as you can. So you need to see with telemetry what's actually happening 
in terms of usage and in terms of quality of your app, and you need to be able to continually improve. So the idea of DevOps is that you you automate the uh, the build, test, publish cycle. And you instrument along the way so that you can have beta testers who are in an inner circle who are, you know, giving you real usage data. And then you have instrumentation on customers. So, again, you can get real usage data from them, both about quality, like, you know, crash dumps and performance and about uh, what what they're really using in the app so that you can tell whether the changes you've made in the last release have made a difference, have made a positive difference. And if they haven't, you pivot. If they have, you persevere and do more. And it's uh, the whole idea is that is that if you have great automation from build, test, publish, and then exposure control with how you distribute so you can have a beta circle and then, a, you know, uh, go big with... Um, uh, a broader release, you have the ability to see what's really working. And you have the ability to, to learn from that feedback and you have the ability to uh, uh, make your your choices about what to do next based on data. And it's, you know, it's becoming data informed and it's thinking in terms of, of uh, well, these are our hypotheses. We believe this. We believe that if we make these improvements in our app, we'll get these results. And that's true on the, the device side. It's true on the service side, too. So, you know, the, the DevOps idea grew up with services and web apps, but uh, now it's possible on mobile as well. And that, I think that's a big step forward. Yeah, definitely. So you talked a little bit about lean startup validation. That's the process of taking your app and figuring out what the people are using. And you mentioned this before, but saying, you know, this feature, do people actually use this feature? Do they right. care about it? Right. And you know, the old way of products being developed, the product person says, here's all the features we need. Right. This is what our customers say we want. Right. And you throw it out there. You're talking about a different approach where you're actually validating, getting data. Like, right. are, actually, are people actually using this feature that we spent all this time right. on that, you know, one customer maybe wants us to do these, this huge project to improve? So we're going to get data to back up that claim that people actually care about this feature. So if we're a developer or people doing a, a mobile app, how do we get started with this process? Yeah, great question. So we now have uh, Visual Studio Mobile Center, which is a... Uh, um, an evolution of separate services that we had that uh, lets you set up the build, lets you set up the test automation so you can uh, run automated tests uh, and, you know, say, say from Appium across all of these real devices using the test cloud. The results of those come directly back into your build. You see, uh, you know, oh, these two form factors, you know, were had strained results, and you can actually, um, you know, walk through the uh, test logs and the visual logs after the result. <laughs> Excuse me, and then you can deploy with uh, 
excuse me, or published with with instrumentation via hockey app that will let you see among first your your beta circle. We should, we should explain that we've talked about hockey app before on the show, but maybe our customers, our, our listeners may not know. That's the way that we can deploy to uh, users without going through iTunes. So yeah. Apple's got the test flight. Hockey app has been around. It was a competitor for, for and now it's part of Microsoft. So they've integrated hockey app into the Visual Studio, Studio Mobile Center. That's correct. And, and um, hockey app has the benefit as well of uh, uh, working across Android as, as well as iOS. So you can use, uh, you can, as does the test clouds, so you can see um, if you're doing uh, targeting both platforms, see the results in one place. And so it collects, collects all this data um, and you get to observe what your uh, you know, inner users are doing and make decisions about, well, is it good for broader release and then publish uh, to the store. And you, you continue to have the instrumentation in it so you can continue to see what's happening in the wild. So you might discover, hey, you know, we, our beta users were all here in the U.S. or predominantly in the U.S. When we go international in certain countries, we're seeing different patterns. Let's double click and understand whether there is something that, that is, you know, either leading to performance problems or leading to crashes or what have you internationally, or are the usage patterns different, which also happens. And uh, typically what happens is that you will discover that there's sort of uh, cohorts of usage patterns where you see this group of customers is, you know, doing this stuff and that group is doing something else. And you, you know, you can make decisions about whom you want to delight more and do it by actually observing what they're, you know, observing their usage. Um, so, uh, and the interesting thing is, you know, there's this whole DevOps community. I, I, I keynoted at DevOps Enterprise Summit uh, last week and um, the, uh, all of these uh, organizations and development teams, are, you know, have been doubling down on these practices for service side and for web ops, but it's new for mobile. And they haven't been thinking about, you know, although they, from the business, they think about, well, th these are multi-channel apps, right? And we want to have a great iOS experience, we want to have a great Android experience, we want to have a great web experience. They haven't really been thinking about mobile holistically in the same way. So uh, being able to do that and being able to combine the insights from service side and from device side is really, I think, you know, a, a big step forward. I was going to ask uh, it, what you've seen out there. It seems to me, from my perspective, you know, it, as an iOS developer, this is not something that the average, uh, you know, small company doing iOS development ha has really thought about a lot in the past. Or, I mean, there there are there are uh, you know, I mean, people have had analytics for a long time. Test Flight's been around, and Hockey App, and and sort of all these services you're talking about in uh, Mobile Center of. Mm -hmm. Been out there, but I don't know that anyone has 
well, some people have, but most people, I don't know that they've had a very um, cohesive strategy around using them really effectively. And one of the things that I w would like to learn more about is uh, it seems to me like if you're going to gather the kinds of insights you're talking about that are actually going to help you uh, Im improve your app and, and make good decisions about development, um, some thought and, and uh, skill needs to go into the way you... Uh, you know, t into deciding what data to collect and how to collect data that, that is actually meaningful, right? Yes, that's true. Is that something so, you can? Yeah. So there, there are, um, there are, there are basically two kinds of data that you collect. There's stuff that you collect that is uh, sort of always on and is dealing with quality of service. You know, uh, basic performance data, certainly crash logs, anything like that. Um, and that uh, that's like table stakes. But then as as an app developer, you want to know I'm adding this feature and I want to uh, understand with uh, a, with a specific mark there uh, how much this is being used, how and probably what the performance of it is and probably uh, what the sequence of use is and probably be able to correlate that with other things. And so it's, it's common practice now that, that you instrument in your code for um, uh, something like Hockey App or Test Flight, you know, or Hockey App now being part of our, our mobile center that you would say, um, let me mark this, let me gather specific telemetry on this, and that that is, and that you think of that as an experiment. And you think of that as an experiment that is there to support a hypothesis. We believe that doing X, adding this capability, um, will uh, make this improvement. And then you watch it, and you see what happens. And you, um, uh, you see how many people are using it, how quickly they're using it, how frequently they come back, you know, how, you know, is this something that they're doing every day? Is this something that they're spending a lot of time on? Uh, or is it something that, you know, people go to once and then never again? Um, so... Uh, you, the mindset shift is, is from the days when we had, we believed that, you know, the product owner would be able to divine what the right thing for customers was to one where we say, well, we, we think we know or we can conjecture or we can hypothesize to the best of our knowledge. So let's try this, let's experiment, let's watch the data, let's let the data inform us. Um, we, uh, uh, and that's, that's really the new way of working. This episode is brought to you by dailydrip.com. Daily Drip makes keeping up to date on programming skills easier. You already know how much time it takes to find good resources and learn new languages. What if the hard part of that was already done for you? Sign up for Daily Drip and pick a topic that you want to learn about. Want to learn Swift? How about React Native? Or maybe you just want to brush up on CSS and HTML. Every weekday you'll get a short video or reading delivered to you via email. The best part is it only takes five minutes a day. 
We have a special coupon just for iFreaks listeners. If you sign up using the coupon code iFreaks, as one word, you'll save $9 on your first month, which means that you can try out the Swift topic for free. Don't forget to use the coupon code iFreaks to show your support for our podcast. Make learning part of your daily routine with dailydrip.com. Um, so, so you mentioned you know, a bunch of features out of the box, you know, cr- some crash reporting, basic usage things, yeah. like probably how long a user is using the app if they're coming back. And then now you're talking about some more customized things, which you know Microsoft yeah. wouldn't have any concept of, of who's using features in, in what way. Right. Um, how, do we, how do we define those features and how do we view what, you know, how do we get the information that we want? Well, so, so it's, it's typical. I mean, this is of course very specific to the app, you know, and, uh, the, the notion is, uh, that whatever you are, um, doing in the app, let's say it's, um, uh, you know, let's use a, an enterprise example. Okay, you're doing a banking app, you introduce mobile deposit. Okay, you wanna know how many people are using this? You know, is this making a difference? You probably wanna correlate this with a lot of other data about, uh, you know, so are people using mobile deposit instead of going to the ATMs? Are people, um, uh, how long is it taking them to do this? Are the, you know, when they take pictures of their checks, is it? Are the pictures coming through, or do they have to redo them? Um, and all of these are things you can mark in your app in order to get data about this being used. And those telemetry marks come through on a hockey app dashboard, and you can correlate that data with server-side data about um, you know transaction success. And that would be uh, instrumentation that you would put in as a developer. And you may do that in a way where uh, you uh, selectively expose this. So you, uh, we do this quite a bit um, ourselves where you use feature flags that say, okay, I will selectively expose this functionality to this group of customers and uh, they will be in my preview circle and I will learn from their use and then I'll go broader or I'll pivot and do it differently. Or, I'll, you know, I need to make this improvement or what have you, the image recognition isn't good enough or the, the UI isn't good enough or it's too slow or... Can you talk? Uh, so this 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 all sounds good, and I, I liked your example of uh, of a mobile banking app. Um, I I actually used mobile deposit this morning in in my bank app, and it works really well now. But I remember when the app first added that, I'd have to retake the picture two and three times, and it was pretty finicky. And they've really improved it, so it's it's made me think they may be doing something like you're describing for this exact scenario. But what as a, as an app developer, I wonder how. Uh, you know, I basically wonder what tools Microsoft has to help you um, to help you analyze your data. So I understand how to instrument an app to, to provide analytics. I don't so much know how to really make effective use of that data <clears throat> once it's on <clears throat> once it's on the server and try to correlate that with data coming in from services and and, and whatever. I mean, I, 
it's a bunch of numbers, right, from thousands of people. How do I make that something that I can actually understand and, and you know, make decisions using? Well, there, there, there are uh, two ways we, we do it. So Hockey Up uh, will give you a uh, level of visibility of, of those things in the dashboard. And you can then um, uh, export that data or stream that data into either our Power BI or uh, Application Insights, which collects service or server-side data. And so, uh, for example, for high volume, we use Application Insights and its analytics so that uh, you can you know, run a query uh, with a, a feature there called Auto Cluster, for example, and that will show you um, uh, the the groups of patterns of use that you are getting on on uh, particular features or flows uh, or or problems. You know, if you're querying on performance. And um, uh, we do that all the time as part of our uh, lifeside practice. Um, and we, our teams that are doing mobile development are doing that all the time on their, you know, mobile uh, version. So, for example, Office is, you know, is probably one of the largest users of this with, for their iOS and Android um, uh, versions of, of uh, the Office clients, and um, they're in that, you know, early beta group always, and they are um, uh, very dependent on that as a mechanism for how they judge what to improve or what, you know, what to change. So it's always, I mean, you know, it's very interesting being inside Microsoft. I'm on an early distribution um, uh, ring for Office, and it, it changes every few days <laughs> with their experiments. And uh, some of them go forward, some of them go back. So this is something Microsoft is really using internally. It's not just... Yeah, so think great, is good for their customers. A great example of something that uh, Office did after a round of experiments in um, in the last few months is the focused inbox. You know, so I'm on I don't know how many email lists, right, and get all this stuff, and I don't really want to unsubscribe from them all because I'm interested in that stuff. But it's also not urgent. And um, so I don't really want it, you know, making all my, all the mail directly to me scroll off the screen all the time. And, and um, uh, Office tried a couple experiments. So they had a clutter folder where they tried to put things in there, but that didn't work so well. So now they have a they take your inbox and they basically give you two columns, one for focused and one for other. And you can look at the focus column. It's just the mail that's really to you from people you know. And the other column has all this stuff that, you know, is, is 
from your mailing lists and things like that. So you can read that when you have time and you don't miss the urgent stuff that you need to pay attention to quickly. Um, they experimented with a bunch of designs for that. And that's something they had to do across all of their you know, device heads and across the web and uh, the desktop. So they were uh, trying that at different paces on different things and watching how people responded. This sort of starts to get into, into something that I think is pretty common uh, on the web, but I don't. I haven't seen as much of it on mobile, and that that's A/B testing, where you, you know, you try you try two things or more, and you split. You know, make it so yep. half your user base sees one yep. implementation, the other half sees another, and then you gather data to figure out which yep. one's better. Um, is that something that Microsoft enables f for mobile? Makes easier. For, for mobile apps, or is it something they use internally? Yeah, so I think the most the most common pattern is to do a uh, so it, it for for mobile it's fairly easy to do a B testing on a web page. I mean for for web it's fairly easy to do mobile to do a B on a web page because you can effectively use a load balancer to split the traffic. Um, for mobile, I think it's more common to do sequential um, and uh, to do beta testing. Um, we, uh, uh, because you have to, uh, because you don't really have a way of controlling the distribution in the same way when things go through a store. So I think, so we do that in a beta circle much more than we would do that you know, once something's in the store and once it's in the store, we would do sequential experiments with updates. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I know that when I've worked on teams that do A-B testing, we've done exactly what you say, where you have a load balancer and just half the people <laughs> get served this and half the people get served that, but that's... Uh... And of course, you can do that as well when you have a connected app You uh, and the UI on the device is responding to what's coming from the service. Sure. So you, uh, and, and we certainly do do that technique quite a bit. So you, you know, you will um, have different versions on the service that are running at the same time and collecting data and the, uh, UX on the device will respond accordingly, and the um, uh, though that that's of course a little more complicated. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense, and, and a huge number of mobile apps are very much driven by data coming back from a server somewhere. So. Yeah. All meaningful yeah. mobile apps are, you know. Mm -hmm connected to right. real data. Yep. So you're saying for, for most of the approaches used with sequential, which means a different release will have a different set of functionality and you can compare between the, the previous release yeah, we and made the this, release. We made this change yesterday. Okay. What's happening to minutes on this page or screen today or, uh, you know, click-through rates or whatever today, uh, the, uh, that's sequential. 
the other thing that you can do is you can say, okay, we'll drive this with different data on the back end. And so you'll get one version that will appear uh, for group A and another version for group B of users. Mm -hmm. Okay, and, and you'll compare the response, you'll compare the click-throughs, you'll compare the... Okay. So it sounds like Microsoft doesn't have a, a, a standalone A-B testing framework, but there are, you can roll your own, like a lot of companies will roll their own frameworks and do something like that, set a feature flag on yeah, your exactly. service and show a different button, make it bigger, hide it, that yeah. type of thing. And there are A-B testing frameworks. So you could take those frameworks and still integrate them with an hockey app and get the data you want yes. without having to do separate releases because in the Apple world, you know, release is not exactly a. It's, it's not, not really a fast easy. process. You can't. You can't yeah. do a multi-release. You know, every every six hours, every day type you, of thing. Do you think that's one of the things that has made DevOps uh, maybe slower to be? Some, you know, uh, let me let me rephrase that. Do you think that the the difficult distribution through the app store is one of the things that has sort of made it hard for mobile developers to absolutely to do some of these things we've talked absolutely. about? Absolutely. I mean, you can you know, you can control your web page at will. Um, and there's no, uh, you know, there, there's no uh, published through the store bottleneck. Um, so it it has been where a lot of these experimentation techniques have grown up. At the same time, uh, you can, if you have a circle of beta testers, use them as uh, a way of getting a lot of feedback. Once you go through the store, of course, you, you know, you have that process yeah, to deal with, yeah. and um, uh, that makes it harder. Which I think is part of why why experimentation isn't done the same way so much. Um, but the uh, uh, or why people try to do more on the service side, where again you control. You know, you control the service and deployment to the service, and you can do that with, you know, frequency in minutes or hours and and update it and let the, the device respond. Right. I think there are companies that have processes set up where they're basically deploying to production every single day or even we multiple are. times a day. I mean, we're deploying, you know, many times a day. Um, the... Uh, uh, we uh, are constantly updating, um, and basically, uh, uh, you know, any commit that successfully goes through the pipeline can get deployed. And yeah, you don't do that in, in iOS? Of course. <laughs> Although that might be a service that your, that your iPhone is connecting to, or your iPad right, is connecting right. to. Sure, sure. And uh, by updating that service, you may get uh, you you may discover different things. I mean, you know, the search engines do this all the time. Um, uh, Google, Bing, what have you, are constantly tuning uh, the the ranking algorithms and what have you, and that's what you get back as the search results. So. Uh, uh, and we try to constantly tune it for our uh, uh, 
have some functionality so that we can see how we can make little improvements that will move the needle. So, uh, anything else that we should talk about before getting to the picks? I think that's probably good for we're probably running close to I, time. I want to wrap I, before we before we wrap up and get to picks. I I would like um, you know if somebody's listening to this, they think, oh, this all sounds great. I want to get started. Where do they go? So they look, uh, look up Visual Studio Mobile Center, and uh, you, this is not. You don't need to be using Xamarin uh, for your development. Uh, you can be using, you know, Swift or Xcode or whatever you want. Um, and uh, gets started with Visual Studio Mobile Center. It's delivered as a as a set of services available from Azure, and you can there. Uh, set up builds, set up automated testing across real devices, um, uh, set up the instrumentation with Hockey App we talked about, and then view results of that uh, instrumentation both in a, a beta user circle and then in uh, uh, after publishing through the store among the broader user community. We we talked about this a little yesterday, but it seems like your uh, Microsoft is 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 working hard to make this an easy thing to get started with. So totally, a I few mean, few buttons to click, and you're kind of on your way. Yeah, so it it, it we're totally trying to make this um, something. Uh, bluntly, you'd be crazy not to do. You know, the the our bar is that it's easy enough, it's approachable enough, it's valuable enough that uh, you you get value, you know, you get the results right away, and you see the insights right away, and you say, yeah, yeah, I w you know, and uh, this is how we should work. Great. Well, it's been, uh, it's been good talking to you, Sam. Um, Jamie and I are not going to do picks on this show, uh, but we, we have asked Sam to give us uh, a pick or two, so Sam, do you have a pick for us? Yeah, so um, uh, I'll do technology picks. So one thing that's uh, really interesting these days is that we're all using a lot of open source components and uh, reusing them. And, and one of the questions that comes up all the time is how do you reuse them safely? So how do, how do I get confident that I'm not reusing vulnerabilities with them? Uh, one of our um, new partners in the marketplace is WhiteSource that lets you uh, build into that pipeline uh, for continuous integration, scanning of your components. Uh, it's very fast and it will advise you, hey, you're using this library uh, or this JavaScript snippet or whatever that is uh, not secure. And here's the recommended best fix. Um, uh, it's uh, it's another one of these things that gives you value in minutes, and uh, you you know you start saying why wouldn't we do more of this? Um, that's one of the you know the coolest practical things I've seen for 
for uh, devs recently. And um, uh, so that's something I'd recommend you check out. You can get, you know, white source from our marketplace or, uh, and it's integrated with that build pipeline, or you can um, uh, go to their, their website, but it uh, just, you know, include it as a build step. Very cool. That's another area where, well, probably developers in general, but certainly mobile developers maybe don't think about security uh, as much as they should. So. Yeah, and it, uh, it's becoming increasingly something people are conscious of. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the extent to which um, uh, it's becoming a public issue is like right. rising all the time, you know. Not just CEOs getting fired, but the rest of us losing internet service and yeah. uh, getting our credit cards taken all the time. Yeah, you figure out too late when you're already on the front page of the news. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's not a good time to find out. <laughs> better times to be proactive about you know, tightening up your security. Yeah, it's also not good to find out from your credit card bill or right. No, that's uh, the fraud call or whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Sam. We appreciate you talking to us today. Thank you very much, guys. All right. Thanks. Okay. Hey, everybody. This is Charles Maxwood. I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about JS Remote Comp. Uh, we just picked speakers. Things are looking really good. And uh, we're really excited to cover a broad range of topics for JavaScript developers. So if you're looking to learn things about Node.js, about becoming a better developer, about deployment, about mobile development, and much more, and much more about JavaScript, then come check us out, jsremoteconf.com. Uh, you can also find it by going to devchat.tv slash conferences and then picking the conference you want. We have last year's recordings there. We have this year's uh, conference coming up. So make sure you get your ticket and we'll see you there.